0: Here are the words of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 32 through 37, which appears on page 51 of the New Testament portion of the Pew Bible. But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake.
1: Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Again, welcome to this, the first Sunday in Advent. In the church, we often think of Advent as the preparation for Christmas and the festival of the incarnation. And to some degree that may be true, at least relative to our liturgical calendar of which this is the first day of a whole new year. But in a broader sense, like the early church, we live these advent days in anticipation of the second coming of Christ and the subsequent end of the age, the time when Jesus Christ will be all in all and according to the scriptural references there will be a new heaven and a new earth. A time when Christ will be present in all the fullness that only the second coming brings with it. At least that is the eschatological expectation. And while the timing of such events is always immediately at hand, albeit always debatable as to precisely when, we Unlike the early church, which really believed that the end time was in fact upon them in their generation, we still live in the shadow of eternity. And as such, you and I are summoned to a constant watchfulness and waiting, a vigilance and a readiness, making sure that as people of faith, you and I are mobilizing our very best selves to celebrate the coming of Christ into our world that similar to loving midwives, we are primed and ready to assist in the birthing of God's future wherever that future is struggling to be born. In short, history is in fact going somewhere. There is a consummation to, be, to become, a welcome to be anticipated, and to be celebrated in the future. And you and I as believers ought to be readying ourselves. I'm reminded here of a Sunday dinner conversation in a family's home in another time and another place. It seems that the morning sermon on that Sunday in church had been on the second coming of Christ, a topic which can certainly stir people's curiosity, if not confusion and perplexity. Above all, it inevitably raises questions. Now in this particular instance, there were plenty of questions, including one by a teenager who despite the conversation was still in a rather great quandary regarding the Lord's return. The father tried his best to answer his son, but after a while the father simply concluded by saying, we don't have all the answers we might, but we do have all we need to know. Said the father to his son, the best preparation is simply to live each day as if it were your last. To which the teenager quickly replied, Dad, I tried that once, but you grounded me for a month. (laughs) Obviously, something got lost in translation, although the message abides for people of faith. And that is that as followers of Jesus Christ, people who believe in the power and presence of God to enter into our world to transform life and upon whose ultimate and final transformation you and I eagerly await, we are to live life on tiptoe, expectantly. Our charge is to engage these days as if something great and wonderful is indeed about to happen, that you and I are to live on the alert With eyes, mind, and heart open to the infinite possibilities of divinity at work in our world. To be fully awake to the inexhaustible possibilities that are at hand through God's presence and power. But friends, let's face it. Being in an overly sleep-deprived society as we are, there is a lot of sleepwalking going on in our world today. You sense it in glazed eyes, which never noticed one's ideals being whittled away or one's purposes being pared down. You feel it in numbed senses, never noticing evil forces at work in the world, gaining strength and seducing a sinful people. You see it in a mindlessness, which overlooks injustice or compromises compassionate caring. You know it intuitively in a thoughtlessness which slips into callousness, unkindness, and incivility. Signs of proverbial sleepwalking are indeed pervasive throughout our shared life. And yet relative to God's intrusion into life past, present, and future, there is no time to nod off in the waiting room. In fact, there's a perpetual urgency about these days of Advent expectation. Now, one way of framing this whole notion is to consider for a moment the well-worn question, what if you knew that you had only one month to live? Think about that. What if you knew that you only had left in your life one month of time on this earth? How would you spend it? What would you do? Would you finish up important matters at work or in your vocation? Would you try to check off as many of the things as possible on your bucket list? Or would you travel to a place that for so long you've always wanted to go? Would you pray more? Go to church more? Do that generous act that you always wanted to do for others but somehow never found the time? Would you find ways to leave a mark on the world? Would you reconcile a fractured relationship or make up with a family member? What would you do if you only had one month left in your life? Very possibly you do a lot of things that you're either not doing now or not doing as fully, intentionally, or intensively as you might otherwise do or choose to do because of your limited time. In short, you might well choose to live better and be a better person, whatever that may mean. Perhaps to be more loving, more forgiving, or even more thankful. Perhaps you would find yourself trying to be more caring or more considerate, more attuned to what is right and fair and just, not only for yourself, but for the larger world as well. Maybe you would be more desirous and hard-working for such things as peace and wholeness and healing. Maybe you'd be more generous, sharing and selfless, more focused on the most important things in life, whatever you deem those to be. Imagine if you only had one month to live, What would you do with the preciousness of that time to anticipate and expect the breaking in of God into human life? The call of Jesus in these Advent days is for each of us to live with the intensity of the impending arrival of Christ in our world. That you and I might be an integral part of this revolution of light and love and life. And we cannot be a part of that revolution if somehow we've fallen asleep at the switch or closed our eyes to the truth of God actually erupting in our midst. Donna Skopper, a UCC colleague, longtime friend of mine from days in Portsmouth and incredibly bright theologian and pastor, talks of this season of Advent using the metaphor of pregnancy. To her and to generations of the faithful, this is an incredible time pregnant with possibility. Think about it, urges Scopper. Advent is a four-week stomp to Christmas. It's the time when God starts to show. God is pregnant during Advent. Pregnant with possibilities that somehow, some way, someday, things will be different. We will know their taste better. We will be able to be engaged in our lives and our commitments and also be at peace. We will be the ones at the birthside, marveling about how God could dare come as a child or send heaven to earth, spirit to flesh, drenching humanity with divinity. The big words for this showing will be, son of God, joy to the world. The angels will sing, the night will go silent, the people will hark. This Christmas would be a great time to notice what we have already seen. That when leaders and things get too large, when we put too much trust or hope in them, they revert to a brutal and brutalizing smallness. But when we put trust in what we can notice and what we can do and who we can be, we are rarely disappointed. We expect expectantly as though we too were pregnant day by day with the possible. For now, there is the waiting, the preparing for an Advent practice that will smell and taste good, that will open doors on more than a calendar. And certainly, it is my hope and fervent prayer that each of you gathered here this morning and friends beyond this place, that for you, this season will open your hearts and inspire your souls and engage your wills in such a fashion as to make you ready partners with Christ's greatest hopes for the entire human family. God bless you all and welcome to the journey. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, You have set within our hearts a yearning, a hopefulness, a desire that we might experience, sense, and indeed embody and express through our own lives your call for peace on earth and goodwill to all. We ask your blessings on our Advent journey that we might find ourselves to be of receptive hearts, to be about the task of what this season is truly about. It's not so much about what we receive as it is about what we give. And may we give generously, give expectantly and hopefully that your kingdom might come with hope and promise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.